Our scripture today is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. First from chapter 11. Now faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, convic the conviction of things not seen. Then from chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, I was coming out of the bathroom at Houston Hobby Airport, and I noticed a woman carrying a fuzzy blanket covered with the crest of Superman. I, I could just make out the red and yellow S against the blue background because the blanket was bunched up in her arms, but I thought, what an odd thing for a grown woman to carry on an airplane. Then I saw that she wasn't alone. She was hustling a three-year-old along with her. As they rushed past, I could see that he was wearing a blue t-shirt that had a big red Superman S on the front. His pants were the same color blue. His shoes were blue with, you guessed it, little crests of Superman on either side. This little kid was a purist. He was all in when it comes to the Man of Steel. Now, as they turned to walk away from me, I noticed that there were two small pieces of black Velcro on the back of his shirt. And I thought, why would there be Velcro on his shirt? Just then they stopped because he was begging his mom for something. And she's like, what is it? What do you need? What do you want? He was pointing up at her purse. There was something that he needed that was stashed inside. What do you want? She said, oh, yes, your cape. Your cape. We'll get it when you get to the gate, she said. The Velcro on the back of his shirt was so he could attach his red cape. So adorable. Kind of admirable, I think. There was no doubt about who this kid counted as his hero. Now, I wish that I'd had the chance to ask him, what is it you like so much about Superman? Maybe he'd said, because Superman can fly, or because he's so strong, or because he can't be hurt. Maybe he would have said he loves Superman because he helps people, or he stops the bad guy, or because he lives a normal, mild-mannered, slightly awkward and unassuming life as Clark Kent until he needs to spring into action. Probably a three-year-old wouldn't have said that part, but I like that about Superman. Seeing that Superman devotee in the airport, it, it makes us smile because we know that three-year-olds need heroes. Well, guess what? So do 13-year-olds, and 33-year-olds, and 63-year-olds, and 93-year-olds. If any of you love Superman and you want to wear your big Superman shirt next week, you just go right ahead. We'll think it's awesome. We don't ever outgrow the need for heroes. And I'm actually backed up by the scripture on this. In fact, it's one of the main uses of the Bible to give us some heroes. The Bible's packed. It's packed in with heroes of the faith. Heroes, people who were in love with God, whose stories we can study and remember how to be encouraged in our own faith. The Bible is full of stories of people who help us fall deeper in love with God. Now, this is something important about the Christian faith. 
Uh, that title slide is about last week, so you can just take it off the screen. I'm like, why is Walk to Emmaus up there? That's what Bellarmi preached on last week. Just take that right on off, guys. Um, so this is something, though, that's important about the Christian faith. We are not the first people to try to live as faithful people to God. We did not invent our faith. We didn't even reinvent it. <laughs> We don't strike out on our own and forge a completely new way ahead in faith through uncharted territory. No, no. We are part of a tradition. We are part of a huge tradition that includes countless men and women who have lived before us in faith. Now, we might call them role models. We might call them heroes. We might even call them saints. Will Williman, who's a retired United Methodist bishop, he once said, you know, we don't have to make the faith up as we go. The saints will teach us if we listen. This was a key point for the writer of the letter to Hebrews in this section that Carrie read for us today. Hebrews is, we call it a letter, but it's really closer to a sermon. It's kind of this treaty on the faith and, and an essay that's meant to have wide application for us. And at the beginning of chapter 11, the writer, he gives us a really beautiful definition of faith. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's this lovely definition. It's poetic, and it's not super concrete. So to help us know what faith looks like in real life, for the whole rest of chapter 11, he tells us, he gives us examples of what faith looks like in a human life. He starts with the story of Abel, the son of Adam and Eve. And then he names person after person after person who's shown us what faith looks like, right on through the martyrs that he knew about in his own day. This giant litany of heroes of the faith, people who lived in hope and who lived in certainty of things they couldn't see or touch. Now, I didn't have Carrie read the whole long chapter 11 for us today, but you could do that when you go home. You could read it. It's inspiring to read that whole litany, to recall those stories summoned by that list of names and, and realize all these people who have worshiped God and trusted God and asked God to guide them in their daily life. Well, today, Confirmation Sunday, this culmination of a seventh-month process with our class of eighth and ninth graders to help them take the next step forward in their faith. You know, they've been a really great class. I especially have loved uh, this year because after 2020 and 2021, confirmation that included a whole lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> it's been really fun to be in class with them each and every week. And they've done great work in class. They've asked great questions. They've read the Bible carefully. They've reflected on who God is in their lives and, and what it means to say that Jesus saves us. They've learned a little bit about the long history of the Christian church, and they've learned some about the United Methodist Church. Now, in confirmation class, we don't make them take tests. Aren't you guys glad you didn't ever have to take tests? Yeah, right. So don't ask them any test questions after today, okay? Um, hopefully, though, some of what we've talked about uh, with uh, Pastor Bellarmi and Polly and I, hopefully some of it will stick with them long term and give them a positive example about what it means to follow, to follow and, and be uh, a person of faith. We've talked about a lot of different people in the class, a lot of different people in the Bible and people in uh, Christian history as well. Hopefully we've been good examples about what it means to be a positive person trying to faithfully follow God. I know that their mentors, sharing with them each week one-on-one, -on -one, have been really important role models to them as well about what a life of faith can look like. And, and I really pray 
that at least a few times during class, what we talked about in confirmation made its way into conversation outside of the church. You know, like at home, during a car ride, or over dinner, or in some quiet moment hanging out in the living room. Now, I know that 13 and 14 year olds don't always love talking to their parents. Is that right, parents? Yeah. But parents, you still remain the biggest and the most important influencers in your kids' lives. So the conversations that you have at home about faith, the things that they see you do because of your love of Jesus, that will carry tremendous weight as they continue to form their own ideas about faith and about church. I mean, you have the chance to be the first and the best heroes of faith in their lives. And that goes true for grandparents and aunts and uncles. Any family member really has the chance to help these students integrate their faith into their daily lives to help them know what it means to trust God every day, to love God with our whole hearts, to let Jesus be our guide in the world. See, lots of times when we look at this passage from Hebrews, we ask ourselves, well, who's in my cloud of witnesses? As I, as I think about the people who are my heroes in the faith, who do I look up to? Who helps me know what it means to follow God? And those are good questions, but today I want us to ask a slightly different question. Today, as we think about confirmation and we think about this verse, I want us to think about to whom, to whom are we being a witness? Who in our lives has the chance to see our faith and learn from it? Who is it in your lives that hears you talk about your prayers or gets the chance to know what you think about the Bible? Who is it that sees you put your faith in action through service? Who in your life knows that you love Jesus and that you trust him eternally? To whom are you being a witness? Who is it that might name you as someone who has shown them the way of a faithful life? Now, don't think that you have to be super impressive in order to be part of a cloud of witnesses. I mean, you all are super impressive, don't worry. I'm, I'm constantly impressed with you, but you don't have to have some a long list of accolades in order to be in someone's cloud of witnesses. Whenever we read that long list of names in Hebrews, we can actually miss the fact that there are actually two different kinds of people in that long list. Professor Brian Whitfield, a scholar at Mercer University, points this out. He says there are two pictures of faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11. One is a portrait full of images of triumph people who conquered enemies and obtained promises and shut the mouths of lions and, and gained victory over death. But the other portrait, there's this whole other list of people, of people who've suffered, people who had public mockings or imprisonment or beating or stoning or homelessness or violence or death. And, and Whitfield says from the outside, the pictures and images, they seem radically different. They seem impossible to reconcile. Because our culture says either you're a success or you're a failure. But the writer of Hebrews, he mixes up those categories because our lot in life is not a measure of our faithfulness. Hear that again. Our lot in life, how our life turns out, whether we end up earning a bunch of money or we barely get by, whether we end up viral on TikTok or we have like 20 followers, whether we get to realize our biggest sports dreams or we don't even make the team, whether we are counted as a success or a failure by the world, none of that serves to measure our faithfulness to God. 
And this can be confusing. It can even be confusing for preachers, okay? Because we like to think that the people who have the biggest churches and the people who have the most successful ministries, the people who have the biggest online presence, that those must be the ones that are most faithful to God. But if we look at the Bible, we see that there are a whole lot of people who have been so faithful and have not gotten any of the rewards of the world. And some people who have been given all the riches of the world, it turns out that their hearts are as far away from God as you can get. Being a part of the cloud of witnesses is not about having the best Christian resume or doing the most impressive things. Being a part of the cloud of witnesses is about turning to God constantly in prayer. It's about trusting God to save our lives. It's about trying to follow Jesus every day. The writer of Hebrews says the faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the writer Frederick Buechner adds, faith is a process, not a possession. And confirmands, I, I hope this is something that you can take away from today. Faith is a process, not a possession. Your faith, the thing that you've confirmed today, it's not something you own. It's not something you put in your pocket and take out at night and sit next to your nightstand, on your nightstand next to your cell phone. Okay, faith is not a possession, it's a process. It's something you live. It's something you inhabit. It's something you embody. Faith is something that's always changing, it's always growing, it's always revealing new things to you. What your faith looks like today, right here in this moment, it's not going to be the same as it is after you graduate high school. It's going to continue to change as you move into your career. It'll be different when you reach your 40s and your 60s and your 80s. Faith in God, keeping our hearts near to God, it's a process that takes our whole lives to complete. You've taken an important step today, a really important one, professing your faith here in worship and becoming members of the church. But your journey with God, it's far from over. There's so much more to discover about who God wants you to be and how God wants to use you in the world. God's calling you to be a part of that great cloud of witnesses to help others run their race as we all look together to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who always leads the way for us. Today, my prayer is that God would continue to send us all heroes to help our faith shine so that others might see and know the goodness of our God. Thanks be to God. Amen.